Hi, I'm Josh Powell. I'm the CEO of Development Gateway and IREX Venture. I've been with DG for about 12 years and I'm based in Washington, DC. And I'm Vanessa Goaz, COO of DG. I've been with DG for about 15 years and I'm based in Miami, Florida. This is Data for What, the new Development Gateway podcast. We have several seasons on different topics in production, but in our first season, we are gonna talk about our new strategic plan, how it fits with our past work, the thought process behind it, and where we hope to go in the next few years. In this episode, we talked to Charlene Midway about digging deeper in the agriculture sector. Charlene's based in Nairobi, and we really wanted to talk to Charlene because she's helped to build a lot of the partnerships and a lot of the programming that we're doing in the agriculture sector. She's working very closely, for example, on the VFOP program, together with our partners at africafertilizer.org to reshape the way that the fertilizer data space works across the African continent. And Charlene has also presented and, and participated in various fora around agriculture data and engaged at a policy level with a number of different partners. And so she has a really great nuanced understanding of the work that we do in agriculture and the needs in the sector across different subsectoral areas. We've been working in agriculture for a little while now, Josh, maybe about five or six years. What kind of rocks have we left unturned? A lot. Like all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's what's exciting. I think it's a huge and really complex sector. I mean, for many of the countries that we work, it's, it's the number one source of employment and livelihood throughout the country. We're seeing a lot of really complex dynamics. We're seeing global supply chains and the influence that they can have on food security. We're seeing the impact of urbanization. We're seeing also, you know, a really rapid growth in digital agriculture with a lot of opportunities, a lot of benefits, and some concerns and considerations. So in this episode, we talk a lot about data governance, and we talk a lot about new innovations that are happening. I think one of the other exciting things that we talked about in this episode is the amount of trust between partners, constituents, between private sector and government, you know, that we've been able to build in our programming and the amount of learning across the different silos in the agriculture space, whether it's inputs, whether it's advisory, you know, whether it's digital agriculture more at large, or whether it's specific value chains like cashews. So I think there's a lot there in this complex sector. It's the largest portfolio of our work at Development Gateway. And I think what's gonna be really exciting over the next few years of this strategy is how can we start to bring some of these siloed conversations together so that there's a more holistic understanding of what a country's agricultural landscape looks like in practice as opposed to these different kind of pockets of data and information that may not speak to each other. And you sort of hinted that our portfolio in agriculture has grown quite a bit and I think pretty rapidly since last The last strategy was the first time that we explicitly mentioned agriculture as a sector we wanted to focus on. How has what we've learned from our experience in the agriculture sector informed uh, what we put in the strategy today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think not just in the strategy for agriculture, but also in terms of our thinking of how we enter a new sector like education. I mentioned that an emphasis on partnerships is really key. You know, there are amazing organizations in the agriculture space who have thought very deeply and very narrowly about fertilizer for 20, 30, 40 years, who've thought very narrowly or very specifically on extension services and digitization of extension services. And we don't have to be the experts in any of those areas. We just have to identify who are the right partnerships, what are the right needs for us to address, 
And then how can we play a supporting role in bringing more and better data, evidence, and information into the hands of people who need it to drive better decisions, whether that's an agricultural minister making policy determinations, or whether that's smallholder farmers who are trying to decide what mix of inputs should they use on their plot to be able to maximize their income, to be able to ensure their food security. So there's a lot more to be done, but there's a lot that we've learned so far. Now over to the conversation with Josh and Charlene. Charlene, do you want to take a moment to introduce yourself? My name is Charlene Mikwe Kakume. I've been with DG for uh, three to four years now. I'm a senior consultant based in our Nairobi hub. I support some of the open contracting work, agriculture work within the organization, and I support some of the relationship building in the region. Thanks, Charlene. Over the past few years in this most recent strategy cycle, agriculture has been really the fastest growing part of our portfolio. Why do you think that is? What do you think it is about the work that we do and the approaches that we use that's really resonated with the sector? When I think about agriculture, we we realize that it's a very, particularly agriculture data, it's very siloed. So we have governments that hold particular data such as subsidy and input use. We have private sector that hold data such as trade data and development sector that hold data such as input use, qualitative data that adds value to the story. And DG's approach is working with partners where we're able to broker agreements for data sharing, we're able to build capacity for the collection of these data sets to improve their methodologies. And of course, aggregate these data sets to really tell the story that can lead to policy change and, and, and better decisions. So I think it's more of our inclusive approach that allows us to really deal with this siloed nature of agricultural data. But I think also thinking about how complex agriculture is and something that comes up a lot is, is, is yield. And we actually had discussion this week and a lot goes into improving yield. We can't attribute yield. Yield is a big discussion point when it comes to improving food security. We want to improve yield so we have more food for people to consume. But it's pretty complex. You need the right inputs, you need rainfall, you need issues of climate change come to play. And DG's approach, which is a calm approach, where we're able to really think about the end user and bringing all these stakeholders together to really think about how they how can they collectively make decisions and policy shifts using data really helps in addressing such a complex issue such as agricultural yield increase. Great, thanks. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that the inclusive approach and bringing stakeholders together and also really a focus on data interoperability and system interoperability is, has been something that's made us really successful. When you think about the work we've done to date in agriculture, what are some of the things that you're most proud of? Hmm. It's an interesting one. So one, I think we've been able to push from just generating data from a program perspective. Of course, at DG, we're an INGO where our work is funded by particular partners. We've been able to shift and have the users see the value of the data and pay for this data to be generated. And we've seen that work in Nigeria where through our fertilizer program, where we, we are funded by Bill and Melinda Gates and working with our partner, AfricaFertilizer.org, and where we're collecting fertilizer data on price, use, availability, and policy, tracking policy. We've been able to see a really strong interest from private sector there to have more up-to-date data. And they've agreed to fund some of the work that we're doing with the partners in terms of work such as cost buildup, which is a key price indicator, where that shows that at least the stakeholders see the value and are willing to support it even financially to be able to improve their work. We've also seen really interesting data validation approaches with our partners, AfricaFertilizer.org, 
where they have fertilizer technical working groups and they bring different stakeholders together to validate data. I think it's really exciting to see where you can see government, uh, private sector, ministry who know that they need this data, um, the revenue authorities uh, to be able to validate that. The other day in Kenya, you know, FWG, we saw a whole vessel volume missing from the revenue data and the private sector actually had it in their records. So yeah, it's a beneficial across all stakeholders to be able to see the value in coming together and validating and coming up with that, with a statistic that can actually be used by all. And what types of decisions do you see really being informed by those data? One we're seeing, because fertilizer is a really key, we've seen fertilizer can be used as a political tool, but we've seen the, the importance and the, and, the, and the impact fertilizer can really make in the industry in, um, in, in terms of agriculture output and yield. So one, we've seen government really rely on data uh, to inform the subsidy programs. Um, and this is from a fertilizer perspective, particularly uh, because subsidy has had its challenges in the past across the continent. Have it data uh, allowing them, I mean, informing governments to be able to know what products to prioritize, what volumes, what in Kenya, if you think about Kenya, Kenya is devolved. So we have counties that are currently struggling in terms of productivity of key crops that drive Kenya's economy or Kenya's uh, productivity, what um, crops to uh, invest in. And that is that, that is informed by fertilizer use and understanding. For example, if I choose a county in Nairobi or Nakuru where uh, a particular crop is grown, understanding what type of fertilizer they're using, how much they're using, and knowing that, oh, there's a gap here in fertilizer use, uh, government should pilot their subsidy program there. And as Kenya, it's moved into the e-voucher. So some of the dashboards and data that we have on fertilizer use, um, availability has really informed government on how to prioritize some of these initiatives. Right, and right now, Charlene, we're seeing huge disruptions in global supply chains in food and in uh, inputs, particularly in fertilizer. Could you talk a little bit about how we're working with partners to use data to try to help combat that crisis? We've seen a, a really big dip in availability. If, if you go to some of our dashboards, you'd see some of the imports over time have really reduced um, in the different countries. And that's, of course, uh, because of the one COVID started that trend. And then the Russia-Ukraine crisis really dipped that trend because they're a key source of raw materials for fertilizer. So we've seen our data and dashboards being used by users such as such as the AFDB and global players who are trying to bring private sector together to be able to address this gap and redirect some of the fertilizer uh, supply that they have to areas, particularly in West Africa right now. It's been a key issue. So I think that shows the beauty of some of the work that we're doing in bringing key players, both at a regional level, convening private sector, development sector, to be able to address key shortage problems by negotiating with private sector to be able to redirect some of these shortages. Josh, also, in your opinion, what, what are you proud of about in our agricultural space? I think in addition to just how much the work has grown, I, I think we've seen really strong collaboration across government and private sector. I think that's been unique in, in our work. And I think you started by describing the agricultural data landscape as really fragmented. And I think that's been the case for a long time, largely because each of those groups, private sector, government, 
civil society development actors didn't necessarily see the value from sharing data and from bringing it together. And so everyone really kind of saw data as their own kind of asset and something that they wanted to guard and protect. And I think as I've seen our program teams be able to broker data sharing agreements and to be able to bring collaboration into the space, I think we're seeing more and more that these different actors are kind of seeing gains from trade in terms of sharing data and bringing it together. And I think starting to to break down some of those data silos that you mentioned and to create a much more harmonized and and holistic view of what's happening from input and and investment all the way through to yield and then even to, to market. I think is is really crucial. I think it's it's still a lot of work to be done. And I think we're just now starting to see more and more contribution of those combinations of data in decision-making processes, but it is happening. And I think over this upcoming strategy cycle, you know, I expect to see more and more moving from an impact on, on kind of the data supply and the data sharing really into data use and driving policymaking. And I think, as you said, in the current challenges that we're seeing in global supply chains, that everyone is looking for data. Everyone needs that information to be able to make better decisions. And I think the investments that we've made that that our partners have made in bringing more and better data together has really positioned us to be able to support that in a way that three or four years ago, I don't think it would have been possible, you know, for AFDB or for other, you know, global players to be able to quickly access information on availability, on price, on the types of fertilizer that are available, you know, at, at the market. And so the fact that we've been able to really kind of build up that supply of information together with AFO and other partners is something that I'm really proud about and something that I think we'll see really pay dividends more and more in the years to come. Yeah, I agree. I think something just to add on to that, I think something that's come up in recent discussions these past two weeks is how can we, because the data set is already there, it's already rest in our dashboards, but how can we really institutionalize the use of this data set within government, within other bodies such as the FAO and the African Union who are already tracking key metrics that really guide policy, regional policy and regional approaches. So I think as a next step, it's thinking more of pushing that data use work because we we spent over four, three to four years working on the quality of the data, strengthening, strengthening data approaches, having innovation funds where we supported cropland mapping that's been a key gap across all countries and understanding cropland, um, uh, the cropland value for each country. And with these key data sets, how can they really push regional integration, regional decision-making, and be in the room that really pushes the agenda across the regions? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting is, as you mentioned, the agricultural landscape is really complex. It's complex and siloed, both in terms of kind of types of inputs, seed, fertilizer, advisory and extension services and so forth, but also in terms of value chains, in terms of types of of crops. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting and exciting for me is to see how our approaches resonated, not just with fertilizer data, but also with cashew value chain data in West Africa, together with our partners in CNFA, and also looking at seed system data and data for policymaking in in the seed sector, together with the African Seed Access Index. The more and more that we're doing this work across different partners and across different segments of the agricultural sector, the more it's clear that this approach is is really working. And, And when I say this approach, I mean bringing various stakeholders together, really taking an emphasis on data interoperability and driving data directly to decision makers and understanding what types of decisions are are being taken and what role can data play in that. And I think we're seeing that more and more. 
Yeah, I agree. And and if, if you look at some of the the regional players and even governments, they already have focal points who are already tasked with some of these data use tasks. So FAO already has a, a focal point in each country in Africa. AU already has a focal point in each country in Africa. We had the other day that if you ask a particular person, two different people in the ministry, they may give you different data sets. So why aren't we harmonizing and really mapping out the key decision-making processes and the key data access? How do they actually access their data and how do they how does it move up into the decision making processes at a country level and a regional level um, i think is a really great way we could push our programming in agriculture and i like your idea of aggregating different types of inputs as we said we can't attribute food food security to, to one key intervention such as fertilizer etc it has to be holistic so i think the agri space is an exciting place for me because it really shows a lot of opportunity for growth in terms of data use because the data is there it's just really putting it in the right rooms, in the right places, um, and channeling it into the right decision-making processes. I completely agree. And, and thinking beyond just, just pure data, there's been a wave of innovation in the digital agricultural space in the last few years. And you know, we're working, for example, with EFAD in, in providing advisory inputs into understanding how they can more effectively incorporate digital approaches into their programming across East and West Africa and Near East and North Africa. What are some of the ways that you see digital tools really kind of transforming or contributing to change in the agriculture sector? In the agriculture sector, as we said, it's pretty complex. And to have holistic data sets is pretty expensive. So if I, if I think about fertilizer used by crop, where you really need to understand the usage of, of, of inputs to better understand what farmers are using or are they using the right fertilizer, the right amounts, to see, pretty expensive. And I think one of the goals for us at BIFAR is to really use innovation, or if even cropland mapping, as we had in the discussion earlier, um, has been a very expensive exercise to do. It's been, um, had, had its challenges um, in the past, but using technology, one, really makes it more efficient and cost-effective to collect that data. And once we address the efficiency and the costs, it really allows the partners in the space to do it more consistently. So in the past, we've seen outdated data. We've seen data because of the expense of it or organizations just duplicating data across the different years because there's no access to this data. So I think innovation um, really drives down the cost and really allows for more consistent data collection. And we've seen that in our work that we're doing with QED, where they're able to generate cropland maps within half a year and they're really good quality. And over time, improving that methodology could also allow us to have more cropland maps outside Nigeria and Ghana where we already have to make it more easier to do that. Um, you know, FEBC data collection processes, really trying to think about how technology can play a really big role in improving that data set um, and not just having, an, oh, and also the quality, of course, because in the past when FEBC was being, if FEBC's fertilizer used by crop was being collected, um, it was done pretty manually. And some of the consultants we've worked with at the country level had mentioned were quality issues because there was no way to be able to geotag, to be able to validate some of this data, or even just trust issued some of the enumerators. So pretty excited about the, the technology and innovation that's coming around the agri space, but being also cognizant of 
making sure the innovation really fits the need of the data collection that's needed. Great. And I think one of the important things is, you know, the majority of agricultural activity, particularly in East and West Africa, is through smallholders. And what are some of the ways that you think in this upcoming strategy, we can increasingly reach and support smallholder productivity and income and and food security? So I think one, our dashboards are already doing that. So I think our some of our programs, as much as they're high-level data, the end goal is always the farmer, trying to push uh, decisions and policies that affects the farmer directly. I think the other thing is working with local partners for the uptake of some of the data sets we already have that pushes key decision-making or initiatives that can really push the farmer further. So as much as we are data, we are the source of data, how can this data really impact the farmer directly in terms of productivity will really depend on who's using some of this data and working with a lot of, there are a lot of initiatives locally where they interface with farmers to allow access to inputs, interface with farmers to really give them knowledge. In the past few weeks, we've been discussing an issue of extension officers who have been a key interface to the farmer. But of course, I'll give you an example in Kenya, extension officers have been devolved to the sub-national level Initially, it was at the national level, and we've seen a challenge once it was devolved in keeping the quality at par across all counties. Um, are there opportunities for technology to really push that information out and interface with farmers? But in our discussion with the private sector that's, that are already doing this, they are having a whole ball of challenges. And they've been doing this for the past five years, where mobile apps don't work for everyone. Uh, mobile apps are not the end goal for information to farmers. So... I think there's a lot of discussions around how can technology or innovation or data really reach farmers in the most efficient way. And we've seen a lot of startups around that space really trying and not being able to address that issue. And we've seen private sector, big private sector players really trying to do that because if you're an input private sector, giving information and awareness to farmers, of course, is good for your sales and good farmer practices really improves your sales. But getting that access to farmers has always been an issue. And I think there's an opportunity there to see what really works for farmer reach. And what tools, approaches, you know, areas or themes are you excited for us to really explore and, and to scale as we go into this new strategy? I think our work on remote sensing is, is, is a really exciting one. I've been guilty to, of really trying to tilt towards it a number of times because it really does, it's a data set that when we started our work really is an important one to inform policy and recently learned that it also really informs private sector. So remote sensing, artificial intelligence, using it responsibly, of course, to really come up with strong data sets that can really support quality data sets. And that's a data set that's been really weak uh, in the past. The other one I would say is, I think ground truthing is still important because We've had, especially with some of the data where we collect retail price, uh, as I mentioned, fertilizer used by crop, where it's been done very manually in the past. It's been done, it's been quite a heavy lift for our, our partners, such as AfricaFertilizer.org, to do this. Can we be able to include simple data collection, affordable open source tools that can be used by government to track uh, fertilizer used by crop, some of these issues where We've, it's been really difficult to collect in the past. But Josh, so what do you think about data governance in terms of the agriculture space? It's been a really key discussion, data governance across all our work. 
I know in our procurement and open governance. But if you think about it from our cultural work, do you think it has a place and where, where should we be going towards when you think about data governance? Yeah, I think it's absolutely crucial. There's so many risks, particularly to smallholders, you know, especially if you have, for example, insecure land tenure, that the same remote sense data that could be used to help inform information on crop yields or fertilizer use or or land use could also be used by actors to to target smallholders with limited land tenure and, and to do land grabs. And so those are the types of risks that I think we have to be incredibly mindful of. I think there's also been very often in agriculture, there's there's a, a bit of a, a model of trading services and or discounts on inputs for personal data, not always with the strongest kind of data governance protocols in place. And so I think it's really something that's always front and center in, in all of our work. I think with with individuals and farmers data, a focus on on kind of privacy, a focus on group level risks as well is, is really crucial. And then also, I think we deal with a lot of sensitive data when it comes to, for example, the private sector. And so carving out really clear MOUs or, or even NDAs that really prescribe the limitations of use of data so that it's in support of specific objectives. And, and that really, I think, is key to unlocking data sharing across government and, and private sector in particular and to building that comfort level. And so I think taking the time up front to architect data governance approaches that make sense and that meet the specific needs of the different stakeholders is critical. And then also being really diligent in following through on the implementation of those. I think often a lot of initiatives fall short on the latter in terms of making sure there's there's proper cybersecurity protocols in place and making sure that if data are meant to be used for individual purposes, that it's clearly licensed as such and, and kind of restricted to use for those purposes, that if data are meant to be deleted at a certain point, that they're in fact deleted and destroyed appropriately. And I think all of those things are, are really crucial elements of our work. I think the other thing that I highlight and, and some exploratory research work that we're doing right now is, is looking at how can you have more participatory approaches that involve farmers in defining the data governance of how their data and data about them or data that's relevant to them is governed and used. And so that's research that we're doing with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and USAID and really looking at what do participatory approaches to farmer-centered data governance look like. And that's something I'm really excited about trying to push the the agricultural space forward on in the years ahead. Oh, wonderful. Um, and I think, I think I'll think i ask you a question you asked me because I think it's something that really resonates across all our cultural work. How do you think actors like us can really beef up the impact that we have towards farmers? Because it's at the end of the day, we're supposed to be benefiting farmers. What are some of the landings you've had and how can people in our space really push that forward? I think there are a lot of different paths to impact on on smallholder farmers. You know, some are, as, as you highlighted, kind of the upstream policy paths. Can you inform central and subnational government decisions on things like subsidy allocation? Can you drive more efficient and effective allocation of inputs by the private sector to make sure that, for example, the right products, the right fertilizer, the right seed varietals are in the market at the right moments in the planting season? 
And I think all of those kind of then lead to downstream impacts on, on smallholder farmers. But I think as we move more into digital innovation, I think there's also more space for us to directly interact with and impact smallholder farmers, you know, whether that's through kind of supporting more effective extension practices, using digital tools to deliver better information to smallholders, whether that's collecting more smallholder data kind of ethically and responsibly and, and using that to, to drive better allocation of resources or other tools that we might use to deploy directly for smallholder farmers. So I think while a lot of our work is, is a bit more upstream, working with government and with private sector, I think there will be more and more opportunities in this new strategy to work closer and closer to the smallholder level. Yeah, and I recently had discussions on extension work and, and realizing that it's still government mandate to do extension work, right? So it's something that we have to do in collaboration with government. As we're thinking of rolling out, if you think about technology, a data, ETC, in terms of extension and pharma services, working with government to be able to, to push that forward. So it goes to my last question related to that in terms of how can we better ensure government really own some of this work that we're doing, including extension work, including policy? How can we really institutionalize some of this work into government? Yeah, that's always a critical question. I think I think there are two ways. The first is really being able to demonstrate the impact of the work. And I think we're seeing that increasingly in our work, that government are relying on the data, that they're better able to collaborate with the private sector. And then hopefully that is now leading to, to better decision-making, better resource allocation, better policies. I think that impact piece is, is always the most important. I think the second that's really critical is working through existing existing processes, existing mechanisms, and embedding data and technology in those, as opposed to trying to create new processes, you know, new policies. So I think that's that's something that I think we've been really successful in, is working through existing government systems, existing processes and protocols, and really identifying within the bureaucracy, not just at the political level, but within the bureaucracy itself, who are some of the champions who can drive that forward, and how can we make sure that the work that we're doing is aligned with the objectives of the government writ large, but also aligned with the mandates of individuals working within government. Yeah. And I think generally, I think it's a question for both of us in terms of what growth in agriculture really looks like going forward. Do we, outside innovation, what do you think the future, like what are the themes that will be coming up or some of our strategic outlook in agriculture generally? Uh, are we still going to focus on policy work, interventions or high level, or in this strategy, would you, do you think we should also look at the farmer-centric work that we've already spoken about? What level should we be looking at in the new strategy? I really think we I really think we have to look at both. It's a core competency of DG working directly with government. It's something that we do extremely well. And I think that need for data interoperability and collaboration across stakeholders is, is not going anywhere. And we're really seen as an honest broker who has both kind of the the political capabilities to help bring stakeholders together, but then also the technical capabilities to deliver value from that collaboration. But at the same time, I think as we see increasing digital innovation and often experimentation, 
I think there's a strong role for us, both in terms of ensuring that digital innovation in the agricultural space is done ethically and responsibly, is done not just with an intention to serve the good of, of smallholder farmers, but with the actual implementation matching those intentions and being mindful of, of for example, potential alternative uses of data or, or externalities you know, that might not be immediately evident in, in a program design. And so I think we have a role both as an advisor in the digital agricultural space for smallholders, and also potentially more and more as an implementer in building out tools and technologies that can be used to, to better meet the needs of smallholders. Yeah, I agree. And I think even in past discussions that I had again um, with different people who have, I think we've flooded a lot of digital solutions, let's be honest, in terms of interfacing with farmers. And I, I, I agree with you, a really great place for DG would be then advisory in terms of ethical use um, and ethical engagement in terms of the data that's being used, uh, but also really advising on ensuring some of the solutions are impactful to farmers and designed well enough with the farmer needs in mind um, has been one of the gaps that I've seen in some of the digital solutions. So I'm excited to hear that that's the direction we're going as we're thinking through some of our work being both policy um, and government level. Charlene, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Thank you. Special thanks to all our guests. This podcast was produced by Lindsay Fincham with support from Annalisa Goodman. Our theme music was created by Mark Hatcher. Learn more about Development Gateway on our website, developmentgateway.org, or through our social media.